Well, welcome back to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am happy to introduce to you a friend of mine. Her name is Teresa Davis. She is a very special lady, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, but she is a grief mentor. She is an author, a podcaster, as well as a practicing RN. She is a wife of 38 years and a mother to two children and Nana to four grandbabies. Teresa and her family live in Southern Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby. And I am so thrilled to welcome you to the podcast, Teresa. So welcome. Thank you, Ren. Um, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to share um, Jesus uh, and what he has done for me with your listeners. I am thrilled to have you. Uh, and I, I want to tell everybody how we met because I think it was a God meeting. It wasn't anything like we knew somebody that connected us or we knew each other in real life, but um, but we were in a Facebook group together and uh, you asked a question and I answered a question. We got on a call together about podcasting, but I remember looking on your Facebook page and getting just um, getting all of the story of what you had been through the, uh, the past few years. And I just was struck by um, just the level of, um, emotions that you wrote with and that you uh, shared your story with. And I just remember it. I just remember where I was when I was reading it. And I was like, man, this is an incredible story. But I, much more than that, I just appreciated how raw and the emotions that you wrote about were just real. And so um, that's how we started our friendship. We started following each other on social media and the rest is history, I guess. And, and I remember your heart too, Ren, because we, like you said, we didn't know each other. And I remember that phone call. I was sitting in my car in the Meyer parking lot and I just felt an immediate connection with you. I, I don't even remember what I said, but I remember tears flowing and mm -hmm. us just having a conversation about um, the Lord. I, you know, I was looking to find a way to get my message out and you were trying to help me with that. And I just remember your heart being so tender. It was like an instant connection. It was, it was a God moment for sure. And, um, and we followed each other along and then, um, we had a death in our family, not any, uh, not a close relative, but an extended family member. And she's walking through grief. And, um, I just remember just kind of feeling so lost. And so like, how can I help? How can I help? And I remember looking at, um, going to your Instagram and looking at some of your IGTVs that you did some videos. And then I saw that you had published your book, your devotional. And I, uh, I, I looked at it and I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is it. This is what I need to give, mm -hmm. um, our family member. And, but I was like, I'm going to read it first. <laughs> and oh. so I ordered it. And then we talked about you coming on the podcast sharing. So, um, but anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but, uh, let's, let's go back to a, a few years ago when you got a phone call, um, at your house and it changed, um, it changed, it rocked your world. It changed your life forever. So can you explain a little bit about what that phone call was about? Yes, it was, um, it will be 34 months tomorrow and, okay. you know, it feels like yesterday 
at times, but I was, I was home from work that day. I was doing some cleaning in my dining room. We'd had some painting done. It was right after Thanksgiving, right before, you know, all the holidays. And my daughter-in-law called me. Um, she and uh, the grands had gone to Chicago where she's from to visit her parents and our son, Andrew, uh, he was a corporate pilot and he had a flight out that day. Uh, they were living here. They had just moved here in February, just nine months before the accident. And she was calling me because he um, was flying to Chicago that day with his, um, um, in his job. And they were planning on having a date. She was waiting for him in the cell phone lot at the airport and he never showed up. And she called me and this was 1.30 in the afternoon. And she said, Teresa, she was crying. I immediately knew something wasn't right. You know, and the mama in me was like, what's wrong, honey? What's going on? And never in a million years did my thoughts go to that it had something to do with my son. I thought it had something to do with the children. And she went on to say, Andrew never made it to Chicago airport. And from that moment on began just a nightmare um, in, in all of our lives um, as we work through the repercussions of what happened that day. Um, his plane uh, went, off to, went down four minutes after takeoff. He had flown out of uh, Clark Regional Airport, which is right, you know, 10 minutes from me. And that's why he had taken this job. It was a corporate job. It was his last step to his goal of being a UPS pilot. And he had flown out of that airport that morning and four minutes after takeoff, his plane had gone down. And that was about um, 11.34 in the morning. And so one of the things that's always haunted me is that my son was dead two hours before I ever knew it. Um, and that's always been a struggle, but um, it, you know, it went down in a remote field. There was a lot of things that happened from that moment. It took three days for us to get confirmation of his death. Um, it was just an unbelievable nightmare. It's definitely a nightmare that us as moms always have. And, um, and you walk through that time. And um, I remember reading your story and just you know, amazement. And I mentioned it to my husband, who is also a pilot. And he said, I, I know, I know, I know about that. Um, and so it really brings it home when, when it, it is very relatable, it's very relatable. And so, um, but I, I did want to ask, I know um, when you hear news like that, or when maybe someone that has had that happen to them, either a loss of a parent or a loss of a spouse or a loss of a, a child or son, um, what are the first feelings you have like that walking around that afternoon in your house? How, what were, what was going through your mind? It was just extreme disbelief. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the relationship you have with the person that you've lost, um, definitely affects how you grieve. And a lot of the emotions are the same, but when you have sudden death, like we did, um, it, it's, it's a definite um, battling your mind to believe it because you don't, you don't want to believe it. It's such a shock that you think, well, they have to be wrong. This, this can't be right. Uh, and for me personally, you know, I was convinced that he was alive and they couldn't find him. Mm -hmm. And it was just a torture 
for three days because they, you know, I tried to go to the crash site. They wouldn't let me on. So, you know, it was a constant thought that he's alive and they can't find him and he's going to die before they get to him. So it's a, in sudden death that way, it just brings a shock of disbelief to, to even be able to entertain the concept that he was actually no longer on this earth. Um, it's fear. You're flooded with fear. You're flooded with uh, extreme emotions. Um, you know, anytime you have death, when that person draws there, even if it's someone that who's had a long illness, even if it's been an expected death, the moment they draw their last breath, reality hits you in the face that this is for real and they're not coming back. Now, it took me probably a year to settle in with the thought that Andrew was not coming home. Um, I think I was in shock for a better part of a year. I mean, it took probably some in the middle of the second year for me to really grasp the reality that we were living. But it's, it's overwhelming sadness. It's overwhelming loneliness. It's all the what ifs. I can't do this. The, the constant fear that you're not going to be able to survive it, especially, you know, I, you know, I've lost both my parents whom I love dearly and who took care of our dad at home. And, you know, it's a different feeling um, for me when you lose a child. It's just not something that's ever supposed to happen. You're never going to supposed to outlive your children. And so just the shock of that took months and months and months. I've had lots of therapy. Thank the Lord for that. I've had wonderful people in my life helping me, mentoring me, helping me move through the grief process. I don't know where I'd be without them. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate what you said about extreme emotions. Um, that, that, that's really bringing it very clear to me where it's just extreme. It's, it's the sadness, it's the grief, it's the disbelief, it's the fear, it's the what ifs, but it's all in an extreme way that that's, that's really clarifying for me. Um, so, so you're walking through this and then you said there were three days when you didn't even know they had to confirm everything. And, um, what was the turning point? Um, I, I like how you said that you went through counseling and, you know, that it took you the better part of a year or two to really accept that part of it. Um, what, what was the the point when you just, you can see the grief and, and that you got to a point where you saw the healing start, that you saw the healing begin. What was that point for you? Well, it took a while. I, I kept a journal for a year. And when I wrote the devotion book, I went, I referred back to my journal for the first time, which was cathartic, but very painful. Mm-hmm. But I, I had I had a significant turning point in my journey and I didn't record it in my journal. So I'm assuming that it happened after the first year. Um, I remember I could not, I, I, I was not the person, even though I've served my life, my whole life, Ren, I've served the Lord since I was 10 years old. I was, and I've facilitated many Bible studies and I've walked alongside of many people through tragedy. But this took me to a place that I nearly did not recover from. It took me to a very, very dark place. And that's another story for another day. But um, the Lord had to step in that darkness and come and get me. 
because I didn't know that I was going to survive. And I was working through some things and I could not read. I couldn't focus on anything. I'm a reader. So I love to read, but I couldn't read the word of God. I struggled. I couldn't focus on anything. So I would open the Bible app and I was constantly searching for answers. So I would hit play on the book of Job. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to the book of Job. I would just hit play and let it roll. And I don't even know what I thought I was accomplishing by that, except I thought maybe you'll give me an answer or to the why. Maybe you'll, you'll show up for me in this scripture in some way. So I just listened to it over and over and over. And one day when I was sitting in my living room and all of a sudden the words got really clear. Have you ever like been reading a piece of scripture and the, and it just kind of jump out at you. And you're just like, oh, wait a minute. Let me go back and read that again. Yeah. Well, I was listening, but that's exactly what happened to me. I was like, what? Wait a minute. And so I'm like, it got my attention. So I hit stop and I went back and hit play again. And where I was is chapter 38. So for 37 chapters, we hear Job's experience, his lament his friends and all of that. And I'd listen to that over and over and over. But in chapter 38, God says he appeared to Job in a whirlwind. And he said to Job, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? And I'm like, what? So I stopped it and I ran it back again. And I began to listen to God tell Job. He said to him, uh, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you're going to answer. And then he began to say to him, where were you when I hung the moon and the stars? And it just goes on and on and on. And it hit me. I, I've got cold chills sitting here just talking about it. It just came over me in a way, the Holy Spirit. I was in a place where he could talk to me and he made that jump out at me. And as I sat there and listened to that and bowed my head in prayer, I hold, heard the Holy Spirit just say to me, Teresa, I have let you lament for 37 chapters, and now it's time for you to start being thankful for what you still have in your life. And though I was resistant to that, immediately I was like, no, thank you, because I felt like my son was dead. I absolutely had nothing to be thankful for. And that's the mindset that I had been in for months. And he began to, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the hound of heaven. Mm. And he would not let it go. I was very resistant to it, Ren. I was stubborn. I was prideful. I was dug my feet in. It was like, no, I, nope, I'm not going to do that. And I know why the enemy was, was just encouraging me to resist that because finally one night the Holy Spirit just would not leave me alone. And mm. I just like, all right, I'll get up and get on my knees. So I got down on my bed, by my bed, on my knees, and I just knelt there. And my pride was keeping me from uttering my thankfulness. Mm. But eventually I got out a few words. And as soon as I said the first thing, my mind was flooded with all the things that I had to be thankful for. And I began to have an experience with the Holy Spirit that just was uh, riveting. And it went on for hours. And I was exhausted. When I finally got up off my knees, 
my feet had gone to sleep. You know, I was, it was in the middle of the night. My husband was slept through the whole thing. And I just had this moment with the Lord where he opened my eyes to, yes, you have so much to be thankful for. And it, it was interesting because I didn't share this with anyone. And my daughter who has, you know, been by my side every step of the way, I was sharing with this with her one day and she said, mom, she said, I know exactly when that happened because she said, I noticed a difference in you. I noticed a change in you. So she said, I know when that happened because wow. you changed. And isn't that just like the Holy Spirit? Isn't that just like the Lord to do that and his uh, graciousness and um, that he met with you? He knew what you were walking through and he met with you. Um, what, what was it that you, that you said to him? Was it, he wanted you to give thanks for things that were in your life blessings. And that's what you prayed back to him. Yes. And I just said, you know, I thought to myself, what do I have to be thankful for? I don't have anything to be thankful for. And I immediately thought of my daughter because she ran, she had just gave birth to her daughter on October 18th. Andrew's plane crash was November 30th. She had a newborn in her home and I was so broken, I couldn't function. And she would call me, I, I couldn't, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for months. And so she would call me at night and she would talk to me for hours. And there would be times when there would be no words spoken. She would just be on her end and I would be on my end. And immediately the Lord said, you need to be thankful for your daughter and for what she means to you. So I, I voiced that to, back to the Lord. And then, like I said, I just was flooded with, I had four grandchildren. I had a husband. I had a daughter-in-law that loved me. My son was gone. And, you know, we, we had a unique situation because they had just moved here. They moved here from Ohio. Uh, but her, she was from Chicago. So she had, we were it. That's all we had was each other. And we took care of each other in the worst times of our life. And so he just began showing me all of that. I couldn't see it. I just couldn't. The darkness, grief is like a heavy fog, Ren. And it just, it comes and sits on you. And you're, you're seeing out this fog, but everything is blurry and disorienting because the world is moving on. And you are struggling to survive and you're looking out that haze and you're just thinking, how, how is this happening? People are, people are continuing to go on like nothing happened, yet my world completely stopped. And so nothing is clear. Everything is out of focus. It's very disorienting. And so I was blinded by the darkness of grief because it just sits on you like a heavy cloak. And so I wasn't able to see past anything that I had to be thankful for. And the enemy wanted me to stay there. Mm -hmm. He did not want me to move forward. He wanted me to stay right there. He had me exactly where he wanted me. I was extremely vulnerable. You know, grief sets us up to be taken advantage of by the enemy because we're so vulnerable. We're, 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 we're knocked out of our normal life and all of a sudden you're being barraged with thoughts that you can't control control and your whole life is taking a complete different course and you're knocked off your foundation and boy what I've learned 
is that the foundation you have built your life on will make that will make or break whether or not you survive it. And like you had said, your foundation was on the Lord and on Jesus and um, that he went and got you out of the darkness, that he went and got you. That's precious. Um, in your devotional that you've written, where you said you went back to your journal, you've revisited those journal entries. Um, it's called Finding Hope and Healing in the Midst of Grief. And um, you said in that devotional, often in grief, our feelings and emotions take over our minds. And so I want to ask you, how does the verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself uh, sets up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How does that flesh out when someone is overwhelmed with grief and when they have the cloud of grief over them? How, how do you walk that out? I love that question, Lynn, because when you're grieving, your present is too painful. Mm. So your mind lives in the past when you're when you had your loved one and in the future that's all you can think about when i had them and when i'm not going to have them because now in my future how am i going to make it because they're not with me and and then you're thinking about your past and so there is this barrage of thoughts that literally take over in your mind and you cannot control it it is overwhelming and then some reality will hit you that okay well this is my i'm living in the present and you, there's no way in your natural mind, body, and spirit to be able to handle that. And that scripture was so instrumental to me because it tells us to take every thought captive. Captive is a military term, Ren. It means that you you reach out and get something, you seize it. If you, if you think about it in, in a military sense, if you're going to take a prisoner captive, you're going to physically take that prisoner and you're going to take him and you are going to separate him and you are going to put him over here and you're going to keep him away from everybody else. And then you're going to interrogate that prisoner to find out what he knows. That's the same way with our thoughts. We have to seize it. We have to realize that the enemy is after our minds. Um, I, I use this example in the book, you know, grief brings us to a point to where we, we question everything we did in the past. You know, the enemy brings every wrong you ever did, every thought you ever did, everything, and just throws it in your face constantly. And he will begin to tell you, you, you know, in my case, you were not a good mother. You didn't, why did you do this? It's just the constant accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren is what the scripture tells us. And um, when you, when you, for instance, as a parent, if you make a mistake parenting, you make a decision that's going to affect your child negatively you feel horrible for that. And the enemy will come after you and he will say, you're a horrible parent. Why did you do that? Look, look at what's gonna to happen to your child because of the decision that you made. So the enemy loves half truths and that's the same way in our grief. So he'll take the piece. So if you're a parent and you've made a mistake, yes, the truth is you might've made a mistake. The lie is you're a horrible parent. So when we take those thoughts captive, we got to make those thoughts obedient to Christ. How do we make them obedient to Christ? How do we obey Christ? We obey Christ by taking and consuming his word, 
making it a part of our lives and living that out. It's the same thing you have to do with those thoughts. You have to take that thought. You have to seize it. You have to take it out. You have to isolate it. For me, I had to write it down because when it's whirling around in that loop in our head, we there's not, first of all, when you're grieving, you're not rational. You just don't have rational thoughts. You just don't. So if you can get it out of your head, you can get it on paper and you can examine that thought. Think, think of the military term. They're examining that prisoner. You're examining that thought and you're able to dissect it. And you can say, well, that's not true. And you can work, you, you, you can measure it against the word of God. You can make those thoughts obedient. You know, and I would tell the enemy, that's not true. That's a lie. You're the father of lies. And this is what God says about me. And then I would tell the enemy what God said about me. And so it's, it's an active process that is, it's not, it's not easy to do because you have to focus. It's really hard to focus when you're grieving. And so if, if, if someone's listening to me and they're early in their grief, the most important thing that you can do is if, if you can't read the word of God, listen to the word of God, because that's where the truth is. And, and that's where the enemy does his great work when he can get you tangled up in making you believe that lies are true. Mm. That's a good word. That's a good word for all of us, um, regardless of what we're walking through, but especially with grief is listening to the word of God and then write it down, write those, write those, um, how we can take captive those thoughts and write what God says about us. That's good. Okay. So I want to move to this where you are a grief mentor. So tell me, what is that like when you are, you know, you have walked through this really difficult road and continue to walk um, this road. What does a grief mentor do for others? Well, from my perspective, um, I could not see Jesus in the darkness. I just simply could not find him. Because of his great love for me and you and everybody else within the sound of my voice, he stepped into that darkness and he got a hold of me. There is a scripture, and this is what I encourage people to do. Grief is a journey, Rand. It's not a linear line. And so we want to move forward. And I'm very careful with my verbiage when I mentor people because you don't want to say a lot of people are offended by terms, even, even the terms of recovery, because they feel like that you're recovering from some kind of illness that you're going to leave behind and go on without your loved one. Mm -hmm. The term that I like to use is to move forward because in our grief journeys, what I want to encourage people to do is to take the next step. When you're grieving, what God did for me in Hebrews chapter, uh, not six, verse 19. This is a life-giving verse for anyone. It says that God's hope is trustworthy and an anchor. It's strong and trustworthy, and it is an anchor for our souls. It leads us behind the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. When he rescued me out of the darkness, he filled me with hope, and I had to trust him and that trust allowed him to pull me behind the curtain and hold me close in his inner sanctuary. That's where he took me and he taught me things that he wanted me to use to help other people. All the questions that I had, you know, I grew up in a pretty legalistic Baptist church. 
we were taught not to question God. However, that's that's how I got where I am now because he embraced me in my questions and then he took me to his word and he showed me the answers. So when I mentor people, I encourage them. You know, we are to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In the in devotion book, I spend a lot of time on the Psalms because when I read them through the eyes of grief, it took on a whole nother meaning to me. There are those pastures and streams of living water that are waiting for us on the other side of the valley. And people get really frustrated because um, they feel rushed or they feel like they're not allowed to have the time to grieve. And this is what I tell people, take all the time that you need. I did. I still grieve. When you grieve, you take you take a couple steps forward and a step backwards. But the goal is, is to keep stepping. You know, I firmly believe that on this side of heaven, we're never going to be completely free because until we get with Jesus, but when we walk, we can walk in freedom and we take that step. You know, I firmly feel like God held me close. He taught me things. He gave me what I needed to walk. And when I fell, he picked me back up again. And as my strength grew, he began to walk alongside me hand in hand. And that's the, how the journey of grief goes. You move forward and then you move back a little bit and then you move forward. But you're always moving forward and you're taking your loved one with you. You know, my love for Andrew has grown even more intense because I am so looking forward to the day that I'm going to see him again. And, you know, I know, when that your audience is a lot of young mamas. And something I felt like today when I was praying, you know, I, I was praying before we got together today. Something I felt like the Lord wanted me to say to all you young mamas out there. Train your child up, loving the Lord, setting the example to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Your mission on planet Earth is the greatest mission there is because you are bringing up the children in a way that they're going to have a faith walk. And when they choose Jesus by your example, then you'll have the reassurance like I have because I know where Andrew is. That is the one piece when that keeps me from losing my mind because I know I'm going to see him again. I know that he doesn't have a physical body, but he is still very much alive. So all you mo young mamas out there that are pouring your hearts into those rough years when you just feel like you're just drained to the core. What you're doing is that you're building soldiers for Jesus. And, you know, when they get older and they make that decision to accept Christ, there is no greater reward than to know you're going to spend eternity with your child. You know, that that is the heart of God. He wants us to love him with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, you know, when this happened to me, I was stripped to the core. And, you know, I talk about that in the devotion book. That devotion book is my love letter to Jesus because it's, it's everything that he taught me and he held me close in that inner circle. But when your idols, you know, we think we don't have idols, you know, we, we think idols of some statue, but we have so many idols in our lives, Ren. Mm -hmm. We have idols that we have taken into our spirits about who we are in our identities that are false. Mm -hmm. 
And when you go through a grief experience like this, you are stripped. There's nothing left but me and Jesus. And I felt like he built me back on that foundation, but yet with different set of eyes that our purpose needs to be urgent. We have an urgent purpose to help others know Jesus. And I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be able to share the message of what Jesus has done in my life. You know, you can go to social media, Ren. You can spend as much time as you want there longing to be seen, longing to be heard and never satisfied. But I promise you, when you go after Jesus like that, man, the reward is going to be far greater than anything you can imagine. You know, I will never be in a place where I can say I'm thankful that I lost my son. I miss him so much. Some, it, it's unbelievable pain. But I will tell you the intimacy that I have gained with Jesus because I sought him so hard to help me internalize what happened to me, to help me reconcile all the things I've been taught with who God really is. You know, I learned who God really is. When I sought him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's what your young mamas need to do. You teach your kids to seek him with all your whole, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they will not be lacking. He will fill you and satisfy you in a way that social media and the world will never be able to. And you know, those moments, even in that, those hard, broken places, when I literally thought I would die under the crushing weight of my grief, he was with me. He was with me. And he began to, in my own pace, and that's what I love to tell people when I'm mentoring them, this is about your pace. Mm -hmm. You know, this is about your pace. When it took a long time before God, the Holy Spirit, was able to make those words jump out at me, but he knows the right time. He, his timing is always perfect. And he lovingly taught me things that I asked. Mm. You know, we, if we don't ask, then we're not going to get those answers. So, you know, his love, he's close to the brokenhearted. He desires, you know, all we got to do is knock and win. All we got to do is open the door and let him in. He wants to fill up our broken cisterns. You know, as it tells us in the book of Jeremiah, he wants us to run to the rock of safety because then the enemy can't touch us. You know, where you seek your comfort from when you're grieving is huge because you're vulnerable. You know, you have to steer clear. There's so many people out there that says, you know, well, I'll, you know, come, I'll help you. I'll help you meet up with your son. You know, personally, in my spiritual beliefs, I don't believe that that's a healthy way to go. I don't believe that's God's way, but I understand how you would be pulled toward that because I wanted so much to hear his voice again, to mm -hmm. see his face again to hear his laughter. So you were vulnerable. So you have to be careful who you let in and who you let bring you comfort. Mm -hmm. That's such a good word for us as moms and um, that are raising kiddos and um, in the trenches, as I like to say. Um, but what a good word for us is to be pouring that into our kids and um, that what you said about Jesus was there with you through the darkness, through all of it, that he was with you and that he will be with us through no matter what, um, what a comfort that we have, uh, of his presence with us. Um, Amen. wow. Okay. 
uh, I, I, we talked so much about um, how you walk through it and walk forward and continue walking. And um, I, I, one more uh, quote I want to share that you said in your devotional book, um, you said, if we don't manage our grief, it will manage us. So tell me what you mean by that. And what are some practical ways that if we're walking through grief, um, I know we all know of someone right now that is walking through grief. Um, what would you tell them? How can they manage that grief in a practical way? The first thing you want to do when is to crawl up in a ball and isolate yourself. You just want to go dig a hole and get in it. Mm -hmm. And that's a very natural inclination. And what I would caution people in that is that isolation is um, breeding ground for the enemy because you're already being attacked in your mind. And what I would encourage people to do, even though you don't want to, and for me, the most comfortable thing in the very beginning, we, I, we sought counseling right away because I knew I was in way over my head and I would encourage people to seek Christian counseling. And you know what, if, you, if you're a young mama or if you're a person that has had significant grief and you can't afford counseling, there are lots of churches who have staff that will minister to you for free. We had the most loving man. He was about to retire. He counseled me, Tony and Erica all for free. He wow. just, he had the heart, he knew the story. So there are resources there. And I know you don't feel like reaching out there. Mm -hmm. but I, I want to share one resource that's reachable wherever your listeners are. It's griefshare.org. It is a Christian-based program. It's 13 weeks and it covers all of, of the stages of grief. And it's a wonderful program. And you can griefshare.org, put your zip code in and it'll bring up a, a grief share group near you. Oh. Now, you know, I will tell you that our daughter-in-law led us in that. The last thing I wanted to do was to sit in a room full of people hearing their grief stories. And that's a very natural reaction. But I will tell you that there's something that happens when you're in a room full of people that are grieving and the Holy Spirit is there. I can't explain it because it's supernatural. Mm. And, you know, if, if, you, if you're listening to me and you have a spouse and that spouse male is struggling with their grief, you know, my husband dug his heels in because he didn't want to go. Uh, but I basically told him, look I, you look, I can barely handle my grief. I can't handle yours either. So you, you're going to have to get help. So he went to counseling and then we all went to grief share together. And he will tell you that, in fact, we did it twice. Mm -hmm. So if the, the comment, the quote is, if you don't manage your grief, it'll manage you. I will tell you, sweet sisters. Or I don't know if you have men that listen to your podcast, but grief will surface everywhere in your life. It will bubble up. You can push it down as far as you want, but it is going to bubble up and it'll take over your life. It'll take over your emotions. Mm -hmm. It'll take over your relationships and it will destroy you. It is something that you definitely need to figure out a way to manage. Um, whatever that is for you and your personality, I highly recommend Christian counseling. And then the griefshare.orgs, most places that's free or it might cost, they might charge you $10 for a book. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you the first time through it, Lynn, um, I couldn't do the workbook. 
I just couldn't. I was so broken. But I would show up and I would listen to the videos because it's video driven. And then we would have group share. And we were blessed with the most wonderful facilitators. Um, and people just shared out of their brokenness. And it created a bond that I can't explain. There was a young little gal in there, young little mama like your listeners. She had lost her dad. And she lost him suddenly without warning. In fact, she was giving birth to her daughter when her dad passed away of a heart attack. And I'm going to tell you what, that little gal, she just left an imprint on my heart that I'll never forget. And we stay in touch. And when, when you're able to see the other person's grief, it does something to you. So I would highly recommend grief share counseling. You know, a friend is okay, but a friend cannot totally carry your burden. Mm. Uh, it's too heavy. And if you've got a friend that can walk with you in that space, you are very blessed. I'm thankful. I have two friends that have stayed right beside me. But many people cannot weather that storm with you. It is so heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, reaching outside and getting help is huge. Uh, there's lots of resources, too. Um, a lot of re free resources through different organizations that you can reach out to. But I tend to not gear people in that way because then it sits them behind a screen by themselves mm -hmm. and it fosters that isolation, even though it's hard. It's very important to get in some kind of group setting or in front of a counselor because you're not rational and you need somebody to help you assimilate your thoughts and, and help you move forward in your grief journey so that you don't recess backwards and never be able to move forward. Mm. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, seek Christian counseling, go to griefshare.org and uh, show up in groups. And uh, when you said isolation is breeding ground for the enemy, I could not agree more. And so find someone, find a community to get involved with, with even if you don't feel like it. Those are really great practical things that um, we can do when we are in grief. Um, where can people find your book, your devotional, and where can they find and connect with you? Because um, I will tell you, this is an incredible resource, your devotion, um, because of the fact that it is very raw, very emotional, but it is founded on the word of God. And I, um, I have really enjoyed reading it and, and hearing your heart, but, but really our focus is, is put on Jesus. And, um, so where can we find you in, in your devotional, Teresa? Well, you can find me at thegriefmentor.com. Uh, the devotional is available there uh, in digital form, uh, as well as my story, if you want to read my story. And then um, there's a link. My, I sell my book on Amazon. So you can find it on Amazon under the title by Teresa Davis. Or if you just go to my website, there's a link right there. And you can just hit that and it'll take you right to, it'll take you right to the book. And can you tell me what the picture is of the front? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, that picture uh, was taken. I, I, the Lord began to really speak to me when I would be out on walks. Um, listening to praise music, that is something I will say. If you are early in grief, anytime in grief, when you listen to the praise music, it is, it is 
combating spiritual warfare in the heavenlies. And it will literally open up the heavens to you. And when I would be out there on those walks, God would speak to me. And there is a hill that I climb. And at the top of that hill, I can see Floyd Knobs, which in our area is like a roll. It's a rolling hills. And he began to draw my attention to that early on in my grief journey. I couldn't even explain it. But I began to see the seasons change. And he began to teach me, Teresa, there's seasons in life. There's seasons in grief. And I'm going to walk with you. And we are going to get this through this together. Uh, and that particular picture one day, this, I mean, it was incredible. The sun that day, it was almost like, it was almost like a meeting with Jesus. It's like, I couldn't wait to get there because I couldn't wait till what he was going to show me that day. Uh, so that picture was taken on that hill in a beautiful sunset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he still speaks to me on that hill ran just the other day. Mm -hmm. I was walking and it had been raining. And I got up there and there's a little spot I always look for, even my grandchildren, when they walk with me, they know here's Nana's spot, look at Nana's spot. <laughs> and you can see this tree that's kind of carved, there's nothing around it. Uh -huh. And I kid you not, it was cloudy and dark and the sun was shining right on that spot that he knew I was going to be looking on. Wow. And I'm telling you, Ren, our God is so personal. He is so real and he is so personal and he's waiting for you because he wants to do for you what he's done for me. And he wants to, he wants you to be inside of his word and open it up to you in a way you've never seen before. And that's, that's my story of that hill. It's just, I, I can't wait. It's our meeting place. I just can't wait to get there. And, you know, I envision, I envision when Jesus comes back and I can't wait for that day. You know, I want to be, I want to be near that hill so that I can see him come through that sky because yeah. boy, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, you know, as long as I'm here and I'm breathing air on this earth, I'm going to be glorifying God. But man, when it's my time and I get to go, I'm ready. I'm ready, mm. Jesus. Mm. Wow. It's like a candy, a uh, uh, cotton candy sky. It's blue and purple and pink and orange and yellow and blue and white and um, so many colors uh, on the, the front of your book. And so, um, okay. So I I'm so grateful, so grateful that you are sharing your story, even if it's a hard story to share. I am so grateful for you, Teresa, and I'm so grateful and so uh, excited that you are um, writing your books and you're writing um, what God has taught you through this and that um, you are getting your story and your message about Jesus and how he can work in the deepest of grief. And so I'm just so grateful for you and I'm excited to see your message out there and uh, your message as uh, God is working in your life. And so I thank you so much for coming on the show today uh, with, with me and my listeners. I've enjoyed it so much. I, I've enjoyed it so much. And, you know, I just had a vision in my mind the whole time we've been talking about the mamas that's going to be on the other side listening. And I just pray in Jesus name that they would have a heart and desire for Jesus like none other to seek after him, because that is what we're put here for. There's an urgency among us that we need to bring people into the kingdom and your little mamas. That's what they're doing. That's what yeah. they're doing. And I praise God for them because we need Christian mothers and, yeah. and for you being the voice and to getting, you know, getting that, 
that right there to their ears what they need to hear to be able to live Christian lives around because God bless you. God bless Ah, you, sister. Thank you. Okay. So my listeners, I want y'all to do two things for me. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to send this episode to someone who is walking through grief. I want you to send it to them. I want you to text it to them. You can do that on your podcast app and uh, send it to them and just don't think that they're going to be offended because literally every time somebody has sent me a podcast or something to listen to, it has been at the exact right moment. So if you know someone that is grieving uh, through a loss, um, I want you to send them this episode. And then number two, I want you to send them this book. I want you to go on Amazon and go like I did and type in Finding Hope and Healing in the Midst of Grief by Teresa Davis. And I want you to send it to them through Amazon. Um, fill out all the things on the amazon.com. Uh, That's what I have done. And it is going to be such a blessing to someone that is walking through that. And this devotional is incredible. And I think it is, um, it is real, it is honest, but it is filled with Jesus. And so that's, those are the two things I want y'all to do for me uh, today after listening. Thank you again, Teresa. This was excellent. Thank you so much, Rand. Thank you. I can't find, oh, there it is. (laughs) 